body aches at bedtime, Sierra Sil is a natural mineral supplement that supports joint health, calms inflammation, and we're so sure it'll work for you as it has for me and my husband for over 10 years. It has a money-back guarantee. Go to sierrasil.com, S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L, and use the code DRIFT for 10% off. Hello, I'm Erin, and welcome to DRIFT, the Emperor's New Clothes is the story of someone who is so pandered to by the people around him that no one will tell him the truth. It also examines how afraid we can be to look foolish and the lengths we'll go to to avoid it. I find a lot of haute couture on fashion runways make me feel that way. But I guess somebody likes them, right? Let me tell you about something that never goes out of style. A good night's rest. Envy Pillow, which makes drift possible for us here tonight, helps you get that rest. Registered nurses Kathy and Kim have created pillows, oh, and lots of other sleep products, that are truly the stuff that dreams are made of. I've been a fan and a customer for nearly two decades, and now we're partnering because they keep improving getting better and greener with time. Now their pillows are copper-infused to clear germs, and of course, you get your usual beautiful night's sleep. Learn more in the morning at Envy. That's E-N-V-Y pillow.com And thank you to them and to you. Before we get to this story, tailored, if you'll pardon the pun, just for you here on Trip. Let's relax a little bit. You take a breath in and turn off your mind as best you can. Now, exhale. Good. Just now, take stock of where your body is. Maybe move your head from side to side and loosen the hold that your neck has on that busy head of yours. Good. Now, your shoulders. Are they down? Are they relaxed and released? Let's go down to your back. Let it go. Your backside. Oh, those hips that do so much work during the day. Your thighs. Your calves. Just let it all go. Now to your ankles, if you're able, circling your feet under the covers or wherever you are. Now switch directions. And those piggies say goodnight and thank them for all their work, too. And now your body is all relaxed. Let's give it the gift of oxygen again, inhaling one last time and exhaling. And as you do, think these thoughts I am safe, I am loved, I am at peace. And if you're ready, with the generous help of Hans Christian Andersen, let's drift. Many years ago, there was an emperor who was, in his time, a fashionista. He kept up on all the latest trends from other parts of the world. And whatever was new or hot, well, he just had to have it. He was so excessively fond of new clothes that he spent all of his money on them. 
Never mind how that money could have helped his people. Marie Antoinette is said to have declared, let them eat cake, when told her people had no bread. But this fellow, I think he'd have said, let them don flour sacks. He did not trouble himself in the least about his soldiers, neither dressing them well nor training them properly. He didn't even care to go to the theater or the opera and could not be bothered to spend a day hunting or at the races. That is, unless he was going to get the opportunity to show off his latest ensemble. For really, why have all of these nice clothes? if no one sees them. This emperor didn't just have a different outfit for each occasion, which to him would have been the very picture of restraint. But he had a new suit for each hour of the day. He really did. And whereas other kings or emperors who took time to consult with their inner circle would be said to be in council, of this emperor, they would say, he is sitting in wardrobe. You cannot even imagine how grand a closet it was, like the Palace of Versailles' Hall of Mirrors. It was 500 feet long and 20 feet in height, with chandeliers groaning with the weight of crystals dangling from the ceilings every six feet or so. Shakespeare wrote, that all the world's a stage. But for this emperor, indeed, it was more like a catwalk of the fashion show variety. Despite his oblivious nature, life ran pretty smoothly under his inattentive eye. Time passed merrily in the large town, which was his capital. And every day, strangers would show up in court, which of course the emperor welcomed so as to have a chance to display his latest outfit. One day, though, two rather sketchy fellows, Roberto and Ricardo, who called themselves weavers, showed up at the palace. They requested an audience with his majesty, and when he heard that they were in the clothes business, he changed outfits and made his way down the marble staircase to the elaborately decorated room in which he received his guests. The pair spoke quickly and convincingly of how they did their work, weaving beautiful colors and the most elaborate patterns for miles around. But their woven artwork had an extra asset. They were a barometer for intelligence and character. You see, they explained to a captivated emperor, their fabric was invisible to anyone who was not worthy of beholding it, so that if you were unfit for the office you held or were extraordinarily simple in character, you would not see the cloth at all. Well, as you can imagine, the emperor was all in. These must indeed be splendid clothes, he thought. And if I had such a suit, I might at once find out which men in my realms are unfit for their office, and also be able to distinguish the wise from the foolish, he said, 
This stuff must be woven for me immediately. As you wish, your majesty, said the weavers in unison with a flourish, each putting out a gloved hand, palm up, to accept payment in advance. The emperor was more than obliging. He ordered great sums of money to be given to both the weavers, so that they might begin their work right away. So the two pretend weavers set up two looms and made it look as though they were working very busily, though in reality they did nothing at all. They asked for the most delicate silk and the purest gold thread. And when they arrived from the farthest of the far east, they put the silk and threads into their own knapsacks, smiled at each other, and then continued their pretend work at the empty looms until late at night. If you've ever counted down to holidays or waited for a wedding day, you know just how excited the emperor was getting about these magical new fabrics. After waiting just about as patiently as he could, one day he said to himself, I should like to know how the weavers are getting on with my cloth. But here's the thing, or the snag, we should say, in the case of fabric. He was rather embarrassed when he remembered that a simpleton or one unfit for his office would be unable to see the product that these weavers were making. Now you can be sure he thought he had nothing to risk himself. Oh, heavens, no. But yet he would prefer sending somebody else to bring him intelligence about the weavers and their work before he troubled himself in the affair. All the people throughout the city had heard of the wonderful property the cloth was said to possess, and everyone was anxious to learn how wise or how ignorant their neighbors might prove to be. I will send my faithful old minister to the weavers, said the emperor at last, after some deliberation. He will be best able to see how the cloth looks, for he is a man of sense, and no one can be more suitable for his office than he is. Honored to be asked, the faithful old minister went into the hall, where Roberto and Ricardo were working with all their might at their empty looms. The old man rubbed his eyes, then opened them very wide. What can be the meaning of this? thought the old man. I don't see one bit of thread on the looms. He did not express his thoughts aloud. The impostors requested him very courteously to be so good as to come closer to their looms, and then asked him whether the design pleased him and whether the colors were not very beautiful, all the while pointing to the empty frames. The poor old minister squinted and peered, but could not discover anything on the looms. Of course, we know that there was a good reason for that. There was nothing there. What, he thought again, is it possible that I am simple 
I have never thought so myself. But if I am, no one must know it. Can it be that I am unfit for my office? No, that must not be said either. I will never confess that I could not see the stuff. Well, Sir Minister, said Ricardo, still pretending to work, you haven't said whether the stuff pleases you. Oh, it is excellent, replied the old minister, examining the loom through his spectacles. This pattern and the colors, breathtaking. Yes, I will tell the emperor without delay how very beautiful I think they are. We shall be very grateful to you, said the impostors. And then they named the different colors and described the pattern of the imaginary fabric. The old minister listened very carefully to their words so that he might repeat them to the emperor. Then Ricardo and Roberto asked the minister for more silk and gold, please, saying that it was necessary to complete what they had begun. They got what they wished for, and just as before, they put it all in their knapsacks. New ones, mind you, for the others were already full with the ill-begotten fruits of their duplicitous labors. And oh, they kept it up, continuing to work with as much apparent diligence as before at their empty looms. Another week passed, and he was getting more and more excited. So the emperor sent another officer of his court to see how the men were getting on and to find out whether the cloth would soon be ready. It was just the same with this gentleman as with the old minister. He surveyed the looms on all sides, but could see nothing except the vacant frames. Does the stuff appear as beautiful to you as it did to my lord the minister? asked the impostors of the emperor's second ambassador, at the same time making identical gestures as before, and talking of the design and colors which were not there. I certainly am not stupid, thought the ambassador. It must be that I am not fit for my good and profitable office. That is very odd. However, no one shall know anything about it. And so he, too, praised the stuff he could not see and declared that he was delighted with both colors and patterns. He hurried back to the emperor to share the great news. Indeed, your imperial majesty, the cloth which the weavers are preparing is extraordinarily magnificent. By now, the whole city was talking of the splendid cloth which the emperor had ordered to be woven at his own expense. What would it look like, they wondered. Would they be able to make their own less expensive versions to wear themselves? And how glorious that their sovereign took such pride in his appearance and reflected upon them so beautifully. Enough time passed that the emperor was beside himself with curiosity and anticipation. Having heard such lofty praise from the trusted men in his court, 
he himself wished to see the expensive product while it was still being made. Accompanied by a select number of officers of the court, among whom were the two honest men who had already admired the cloth, he went to the crafty weavers, who as soon as they were aware of the emperor's approach, went on working more diligently than ever, although they still did not pass a single thread through the looms. Is not the work absolutely magnificent, said the two officers of the crown, who had already, mm, seen the cloth. If your majesty will only be pleased to look at it, what a splendid design, what glorious colors. And at the same time, they pointed to the empty frames, for they imagined that everyone else could see this exquisite piece of workmanship. The emperor squinted his eyes and rubbed his beard. He said to himself, how is this? I can see nothing. This is indeed a terrible affair. Am I a simpleton, or am I unfit to be an emperor? That would be the worst thing that could happen. But aloud he exclaimed, Oh, the cloth is charming. It has my complete approval. And he smiled most graciously, and then went over and with a cocked eyebrow, looked closely at the empty looms, for there was no way he would admit he could not see what two of the officers of his own court had praised so much. All of his entourage now strained their eyes, hoping to discover something there. Nevertheless, they all exclaimed, Oh, how beautiful! and advised his majesty to have some new clothes made from this splendid material for the approaching procession. Magnificent, charming, excellent, resounded on all sides, and everyone was uncommonly cheerful and exuberant. The emperor shared in the general satisfaction, and presented Roberto and Ricardo with the honor of a medal on a ribbon, an order of knighthood to be worn in their buttonholes. He also bestowed upon them the title Weavers of the Empire. Nearly drowning in self-satisfaction, the wily weavers sat up the entire night before the day on which the procession was to take place. They also had sixteen lights burning, so that everyone might see how anxious they were to finish the emperor's new suit. They pretended to roll the cloth off the looms, cut the air with their scissors, and sewed with needles without any thread in them. See, they cried out at last, the emperor's new clothes are ready, and made a great show of collapsing onto couches in a state of feigned exhaustion. Or perhaps they actually were tired from having kept up this elaborate charade for weeks upon weeks, and now all night. The time came for the emperor, with all the VIPs of his court, to visit the weavers. The crafty crafters raised their arms 
as if in the act of holding something up, saying, Here are your majesty's trousers. Don't they look grand? Here's the scarf, like the sail of the most magnificent ship ever to travel the seas. Here's the jacket, as fine a piece of clothing that has ever been worn by the gods. And best of all, your majesty, the entire suit is as light as a cobweb. You might even feel as though you have nothing at all on you when you're dressed in it. So comfortable and virtuous is this delicate cloth. Yes, indeed, said all the courtiers, with what excitement you might say was over the top. For as we all know, not one of them could see anything of this exquisite manufacture. If your imperial majesty will be graciously pleased to take off your clothes, we will fit on the new suit in front of the looking glass. The emperor was then undressed, and the pair pretended to array him in his new suit. When they had finished tying the scarf just so, and adjusting the shoulders of the monarch's jacket, the emperor turned round from side to side, gazing at himself in the three-paned looking glass. As he smiled with satisfaction, he was delighted to hear the accolades of the assembly. How splendid his majesty looks in his new clothes, and how well they fit, everyone cried out. What a design, what colors. These are indeed the most royal robes. And then it was time to show off his new ensemble to the masses, waiting patiently but with great excitement in the streets of the capital. The canopy, which is to be carried over your majesty in the procession, is waiting, announced the chief master of the ceremonies. I am quite ready, answered the emperor. Do my new clothes fit well? He asked, turning himself round again before the looking glass in order that he might appear to be examining his handsome suit. The lords of the bedchamber, who were to carry his majesty's train, felt about on the ground, as if they were lifting up the ends of the mantle, and then pretended to be carrying something. For no way would they come off as simple or unfit for their office. No, not them. So now the emperor walked under his high canopy in the midst of the procession, through the streets of his capital, and all the people standing by, and those at the windows, cried out, Oh, how beautiful are our emperor's new clothes! What a magnificent train there is to the mantle! And how gracefully the scarf hangs! So in other words, no one would give even a hint that he or she could not see these much-admired clothes, because in doing so, he or she would have declared himself either simple or unfit for office. Certainly none of the emperor's various suits had ever made so great an impression as these invisible ones. And then, just in a moment, when the clamor of the crowd and the crowing of the trumpets had died down. The high-pitched sound of the voice of a child carried clearly on the air. 
but the emperor has nothing at all on. Listen to the voice of innocence, exclaimed his father. And do you know, like ripples from a stone in a pond, the words of the child were whispered from one to another. Finally, all of the people cried out, But he has nothing at all on. The emperor was angry and confused, for he knew that the people were right. But he thought the procession must go on now, and the lords of the bedchamber took greater pains than ever to appear holding up a train, although in reality there was no train to hold. Somewhere the two weavers, Ricardo and Roberto, are counting their money, having sold the silk and the gold threads for as much as anyone could hope to get. And they are plotting their next great caper. For as long as there are men whose egos are as large as their kingdoms, and as long as they surround themselves by people who are unsure of their footing, and even more eager to please the whims and insecurities of whoever holds power, then there will be work for the wily weavers of lies and flattery. For that is the way of the world, as it was for the emperor, parading in his royal underwear for everyone to see, when social media meant whispers among the assembled crowd, and is now able to make it as Mark Twain put it, so that a lie can travel halfway around the world while the truth is putting on its shoes. And now as you listen to Drift, wearing the finest clothes, nightgown or pajamas, and are perhaps in reality not wearing anything at all, for how are we to know, really? I wish you a good night and sweet dreams.